Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Alice Guy Blaché was a true pioneer who got into the movie business at the very beginning, at 1894 at the age of 21. Two years later, she was the head of production for Gaumont and started directing films. She and her husband moved to the United States and founded their own company called Solox in 1910. They started in Flushing, New York, and moved to a bigger facility in Portly, New Jersey. She was one of the most influential directors of her time. She was a pioneer, not only in the realm of film production, but of of her films themselves were amazing uh, comedies, dramas, you name it. Alice Guy Blaché did it, and she did it as a woman pioneer in the field that was dominated by men. This is a remarkable documentary about a remarkable woman, and the, the film is called Be Natural, the untold story of Alice Guy Blaché. And we're joined today by the director of that film, and that would be Pamela B. Green. Pamela Welcome to Film School. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, if I left anything out in terms of what you feel is important about the introduction to uh, her, let me know. I will. Uh, I mean, feel free to add to my my introduction of her. How would you characterize her role in early cinema? Uh, she was an artist, uh, an entrepreneur, and uh, a woman with uh, vision. Yeah. Out of necessity at first, and then out of passion next the the film is a sort of a detective story a sort of an unraveling of history forgotten history uh i'm very curious how you came to know about alice Guy blaché uh there was a a show on uh, amc about women pioneers in cinema and one of them was alice Guy blaché um i think she stood out for me because she had accomplished so many things and were trained to think of all these male directors. I didn't even go to, I didn't go to film school. I didn't think of women directors. I never even thought of a first woman film director, but she was so much more. So I watched it briefly and then under my breath, I said, I'm not surprised. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I looked it up and then I, you know, I put it down and then, I did some more research, and I pulled a documentary that was done about her, but it was very, very early before the Internet, really. I asked more people. Nobody had ever heard of her. She spoke to me. I just felt that she said, hey, um, this is not the way I should be represented. I'm a little misplaced here. Can you help me out? I really do feel that way. I felt that she was extremely determined and so much passion, and I said to myself, okay, I'm going to do this for you. Yeah. I'm going to be your last chapter. I'm going to do what you didn't get to do for yourself, which is restore your legacy fully. So that was really what it was about for me, and the detective story aspect is what I felt would make it contemporary and also would interest me the most because I love history, and I always like finding new things about history ever since I was a child. 
um, growing up in Europe. Uh, I was obsessed with the Louvre. There was a Venus de Milo mm-hmm. statue, and uh, she was missing an arm, and I was very upset about it. <laughs> I saw this room with all these body parts, and I tried to go in there to, you know, take an arm, put it back on, because mm-hmm. it wasn't complete, and we almost got kicked out of the museum. So <laughs> it's not until you look back that you see where your origins come from. And uh, I was obsessed with the Mona Lisa. One minute it's Leonardo da Vinci, then it's not. You know, then it's this woman he was with, and they find the remains. Mila Earhart is constantly, history is constantly changing because we're always finding out new material. And I love the research and the, the discovery of things that can paint an additional picture of something that we didn't know about or that we took for granted or that we assumed especially with women, you know, not being documented or recorded. What was it, well, your reaction the first time you saw one of her films? I don't know if you just saw a film clip or if you saw a whole film, but what was your reaction to, to that film uh, in terms of you know, how it moved you, the, the, the technical expertise? The, was there something in that or was it just a visceral reaction you had to her work? Honestly, I, I didn't go to film school, mm-hmm. so I'm definitely not an expert. But originally, I didn't. If I looked at a couple, and then I was looking at film stills, and um, I was reading Joan Simon's book. She had cura- curated. She had curated one of uh, an. Ex- she had curated an exhibition of Alice Guy Blaché's films at the Whitney in 2009, and I was looking through like, the book, and I couldn't believe how gorgeous you know some of the images were exactly to your question was that's great that this person did all this stuff but who cares you know does the work really stand the test of time is she special and i saw the ocean waves and i was blown away blown away because it's a film from 1915 or 16 and it looks like something from you know a decade later it was gorgeous the acting was amazing lighting and then I got access to the Gabon DVDs that has some of her films not all of them and then I saw the original part of her career where she was still experimenting etc and some of those films are hysterical yes she was very very funny and um, knew how to use the tools that she had and maximize them to get the results one of the things that I was struck by in the clips that we see in the film was her sensibility i I mean i'm thinking of the uh the the consequences of feminism it was a remarkable film i mean funny uh pointed uh contemporary in its kind of take on the the gender roles the uh, film and i've forgotten the name of it right off the top of my head where uh the woman that's licking the stamps and the uh oh sticky woman sticky woman those, mm-hmm. First of all, the, the timing was hilarious. There's so many things just in what we see. I really, I, I need to see more Alice Guy Blaché. I mean, I, I, there's a lot more, I'm sure a lot more there. And I, well, I'll get to that question about the preservation of her films later. But it, she, she had great timing. She had a sense of cinema innately, it seems, that she understood how to tell a story. I, I just, those are my, my visceral reactions to it. And, and so I just, I can't imagine that you didn't have a similar, sounds like you did have a similar reaction just to how accomplished these films look. Absolutely. I mean, she's a storyteller. She grew up as a daughter of a bookseller. 
but she's also emotional and compassionate and very aware of her surroundings that she poked fun at through that medium to get away with it as well. Consequence of feminism. Most likely she felt that way herself. You know, women can't even vote. They can hang out in, you know, tea tea parlors, mm-hmm. but it's not really, women don't have freedom, yeah. per se, unless they're riding, you know, the bicycle is one of the things, but, so she used that medium to express herself. Yeah, and just before we go too much further on that, let's, I just want to explain the premise, or you can explain the premise of the consequences of feminism, what the film was about. The consequences of feminism is a film where, what if women were in charge and ruled the world? So you see women in women's clothes and men in men's clothes, but the men are doing the washing. The men are doing the ironing. The men are, you know, watching the children. And the women are smoking cigars and hanging out at the bar. And, of course, at the end, there's this turn of events where the men take over and we go back to reality again. And she did remake that film in the U.S. uh, called uh, In the Year 2000, in 1912, Women Are in Charge. Oh my so yeah. the fact that she remade it is obviously again she's thinking about it social issues yeah absolutely. equality yeah uh, I would remind our listeners that we are speaking with the director of this terrific new documentary called Be Natural: The Untold Story of Alice Guy Blaché. It opens here in Los Angeles on April nineteenth, uh, I believe at the Monica Film Center, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you want to look for this. Um, there is a website for the film. It's uh, let me make sure. I, there's it's distributed through Zeitgeist, and you can find it there as well as I believe it has its own website called BeNaturalTheMovie.com. You can find out more about it. Let's talk then uh, about sort of her rise in the world of cinema, how she got to where she was in a position to start making films. And then I, I want to sort of uh, transition into how she was able to, through her craft, develop some techniques that are in many ways being used today and with better technology, but nonetheless very similar. So what was sort of the track her her career starting out and then the transition into becoming her own filmmaker? When she was starting out, she was a secretary. And she was a observer. She was coincidentally invited by the Lumieres to see one of the, you know, first films that were projected and recorded, Exit from the Factory. And she thought we can do better. Why not use some to tell stories? She wanted the company to work. It was a very small business. She was selling cameras. The more they can create this content, if you will, to demonstrate what the camera can do, and the more sales they can get, the more she would be able to get paid and continue to have a job. At first, it was, you know, cleverness for survival as in any business, and then it was expanding into, you know, all these different uh, genres and not just experimenting with tinting of films and one of the first narratives, also double exposure, and also experimenting with synchronized sound films, which was, before the jazz singer, it's way earlier, 1902. It's uh, kind of, if you would compare it to today, early, early music videos. I, I tell people that they're kind of like the YouTubers and the Instagrammers of their time, you know, the first class of Silicon Valley of 1895 in, in their way. Yeah. But she kind of took it further and added emotion and story 
to be that didn't feel so theatrical uh, that you would see in theater would have a more uh, compassionate and naturalistic approach. And, you know, fast forward to coming to America, the uh, person doesn't speak English. She had retired. She was getting married. Uh, and she had a child, and she got bored. And she said, you know, I can make money. I'm going to go back to work. And she rents a small space and go on talking pictures studio, but then she eventually expands due to it, its success and built her own studio in Fort Lee, New Jersey, which was considered one of the largest studios at the time. Yeah. Um, the latest cutting edge. Coming from Europe, she was more advanced than the American filmmakers, so she had to teach them a lot of the techniques. She was very technical. And I think learning the background of photography really helped her with composition and framing, which I think more more students and more filmmakers should do today instead of just shooting stuff over and over and over and over again. Really think about the shot and not have 17 million pieces of footage. She didn't have that capability back then. And uh, we're much more spoiled today. To 22 career, 22-year career in two countries where she both directed or produced a thousand films, including on the 150 with synchronized sound. Amazing. Um, that's, that's an accomplishment. It's amazing. Itself. It's amazing. When I, when I read in the notes before I saw the film, a thousand films. That's incredible. It's incredible. And 22 features. And 22 feature films. I, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And talk about another part, important part of the film, and that is near the beginning of the film, we, we see a montage of different filmmakers. We're familiar with their names, with their faces. And you were basically, the question is, do you know who Alice Guy Blaché is? And there was a mixture of reactions, but far too many had no idea who she was. Many of them no. would shock you to, to hear, hear them say that based on our, what we know about the people responding to that question. Oh, and, and Robert Redford was my first supporter. He had no idea. And he was stunned, stunned that, you know, he had not uh, heard of her. So... You know, for me, it was go big or go home. I needed to make a dent. And the only way to make a dent was to contact the best people in the business that represented all her roles for them to realize, wait a minute, really? This really happened? You're not making it up? Because that's the only way to make a dent is to really push forward and, and have people that are known and established talk about something that, usually wouldn't be that much of interest. And really, it's not even that much about silent film. Of course it is, because that's the medium that she had, but she was a filmmaker. Yeah. You know, because they're like, oh, this this is a silent film person. We're not interested. She's an older lady who speaks French, and, you know, silent films. Nobody cares about silent films. Well, yes, they do. If they're they're presented in a new way of looking at them through a, a fresh lens, versus the usual same old way that is not interesting for a new generation. Right. You have to adapt to the time that we live in to be able to go back to something and have some kind of relatability and accessibility to it. How do you explain the, the lack of recognition for her? Well, there was no credit for filmmakers back then. The title was not listed on the film back 
then because there were, you know, it's kind of like uh, like like a DVD or an app for a printer. They're not going to say this app was made by, <laughs> right? You know, it's the way it is. I think that's part of it. Also, when films were distributed, they were sent out to wherever they were sent out around the world, and it, the films never came back, so she didn't have them in her hand to show people, hey, look at my work. And also, she wasn't a big publicizer. A little bit towards the end, completely by coincidence, but men tend to publicize themselves a lot more as well. And women were not recorded or recognized, and it wasn't a medium that was taken seriously. Nobody thought that cinema would be what it is today until the revenue streams came in and, you know, the women that were doing the work weren't taken seriously. And it's like, okay, well, now this is making money. You know, we men can take over. Yeah. <laughs> Very caveman-like. But, and, and also the publications weren't digitized. Oh, so much work needed to be done as a whole. I definitely on the shoulders of others and you do what you can to move the, you know the project forward I think what makes this film a little bit different is I was not coming from the academic world but definitely respecting it and being accurate because I wanted the academics to respect my work but I was curious about things that most academics wouldn't pursue and also I went after the whole pizza what I tell people and you know, academics, they just go after slices because there's only so much time in the day. There's only so much funding you can get. And I just did it a little bit on steroids, <laughs> you know. And it took a lot of time, a lot of my time. I wanted to give up many times. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't. There were a lot of filmmakers who were influenced by her who a lot of people borrowed, there's a, there's a, a euphemism, borrowed from her. Uh, Sergei Eisenstein, Hitchcock talked about the influence of her work on his work. There are a number of people that are that uh, contemporaries in a way of hers that re recognized her her craftsmanship, her artistry. So there is that part of it, but you're it's hard to not see this as 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 you know the the boys club kind of blocked out the sun. When it came to to shining a light on what she what she did with her career, well, the research the research delivered the story, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, the yeah. Eisenstein thing was there were so many uh, blocks and you know obstacles for me making the film. I remember I wanted to look at the papers of Luella Parsons at the Academy Library, and I said, "What for?" And I said, "Because I want to see if she mentions Alice." And they're like, well, why would she even mention her? Wow. You can't just look at somebody's scrapbook to see if she's going to be mentioned. You know, so that was an issue. Or I'm never going to find anything. Or the Eisenstein can't be. And they said, well, there is no other film from 1906. So if she's making all this content, and Gaumont is a big manufacturer and distributor at the time, and the films are all over the world, my biggest question before I even made the documentary is like, who is looking at a film? I want to find somebody that's influenced because you can't make all these movies and nobody saw it. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. You know, number-wise. Well, so, they, they were um, successful. They were successful, but there wasn't really that much out there either. Yeah. So, you know, what are people watching? Because you grow up, it's like you have certain things you watch on TV, you have certain music videos that you watch, etc. Now there's, there's like content everywhere. There's too much content. It's overload. 
you know, you watch something on YouTube, you, you don't know who made the video on YouTube, and you don't care. You pass it around, like, oh, this is a funny link, and you just go about your business. So I'm speculating that back then, people would watch this, you know, in fairs and wherever it was accessible, and they're like, oh, this is movie with the cabbage tray. That's funny, and, you know, yeah. tell people. But then they don't know who did it because there's no name. You know, so we had to really dig deep and... You know, I made an Excel file of everything she ever talked about and everything she addressed that she ever mentioned. Every film that she ever worked on, I went after every single thing to find new material. It's pretty insane. Yeah. You know? so, so, so I'm a little bit insane. Yeah, well, in a good way. So, it, and you, you, and it sounds like you've sort of advanced the the um, research and the and the study of and the of on 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 Alice. Guy Blachet, so... And others. And others. And others. And others. There you go. This movie has been going on for yeah. a long time, yeah. so I don't think people would have been interested in a lot of these other silent uh, women's stories. It's You know, it's a wave, because we could be working on something in Iceland, but maybe somebody in Germany can be doing something, too. And just like the beginning of cinema, everybody's working on the equipment at the same time. Who's going to get there first? So... Yeah, yeah. Everything was happening kind of at the same time. Then the Me Too movement came about. There's a film coming out called This Changes Everything. There's all these things that are happening right now. And I think it is partially because of what was done for Alice and other people that have done other work. Yeah. So, we again, it's a collaborative process. Even though we're not collaborating with each other, we all want to document and record women. Yeah. Um, but all this that's happening in the news definitely helps and moves these stories forward and I guess my last thought would be is the more of these stories that we know about the more we're going to fill in the holes and the more we're going to realize that this is definitely the norm that women have been in many industries at the beginning but they just were not recorded and documented and we're here um people that I passed the baton to next that might be inspired by this conversation we're here to make that change and make it the norm yeah that's that's the job really um in there was a film that came out last year saving Brenton and the discovery of some uh, work by I believe by Lumiere and and others uh found in a, a farmhouse or a, a barn in Iowa uh, if there's been any of those sort of discoveries along the lines of uh, Alice's work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was one guy who was selling a DVD online, the three of her films that everybody had been looking at for, looking for forever. Just randomly we came across it. It's like, oh, yeah, I've had it for quite some time. <laughs> Has anybody contacted you? No. <laughs> and then this other warehouse with 12 of the films that we found. So I think... During the making, there was another film called Parson Sue that was discovered in a barn. Films are going to keep getting discovered. Yeah. And um, now that this has become popular, it helps the archives and to get funders and say, oh, you've heard the story of Alice. Like, you know, there's one of her films or this woman, you know, existed and she made these films. So all of these things help the landscape and encourage more funding for the archives because they need it yeah. and um, to continue to preserve and restore lost work. Congratulations, 
Pamela Thank B. You Green. So much. Yeah, for, on this film. The film again is Be Natural, the untold story of Alice Guy Blachet. It's a fantastic documentary. It's opening here at the Monica Film Center on April 19th. Check it out. You can go to be natural the movie.com. You can go to the Zeitgeist film site um, also at zeitgeistfilms.com and just uh, be on the lookout for it. And I look forward to your future work. Come back. Come back with your next obsession. Your next. <laughs> I, I can't wait. Uh, and Vacation uh, first. Vacation first. Well deserved. Well deserved. Well, thank you, Pamela B. Green, for coming on Film School. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.